Welcome back to Restorative Grief with Mandy Capehart. You are listening to episode 10, titled The Privilege of Tears. Today's conversation includes an excerpt from my book, Restorative Grief. The book itself is a 31-day guidebook, interwoven with memoir, pop culture references, and quotes from individuals much wiser than I. This week has been a whirlwind in my own life as we settle into the holidays and prepare for the end of 2021. And in moving through my week, I realized I was lacking margin. There was plenty in my life that I wanted to cry about, but recognized I had overcommitted myself and I really felt unable to make the space to simply cry. So when I finally realized how little space I had, I called an audible. I decided to just start talking and to talk until the tears flowed. Let me tell you, that release was everything. I didn't even cry over what I thought I would. I had so clearly tucked my emotions away in exchange for stoicism and productivity. And I think internally, my brain knew I needed to lock down the emotions to get through the work of the week, but that is such a heavy thing to consider. Being free to express ourselves is often a privilege that we take for granted. So today's conversation is going to incorporate a bit of the insight from previous episodes and my book in hopes that you too will recognize where you lack access to your emotions in the practical world and hopefully invite you into a little movement and freedom to express yourself as needed. There are a few essays at the back of my book on a variety of topics I've encountered in my work. This excerpt comes from chapter eight titled The Yet of Grief, Growth, and Healing. Instead of making dismissive comments to ourselves like, I don't have time to cry, what would it mean if you started to take up space in your process? Our lives are a whirlwind. On the best of days, we can focus on slowing down and rejecting the hurry. We can embrace a sauntering pace of love and invite peace into our present. But even when we are not overwhelmed by the busyness of our days, it is rare to feel settled enough to cry. I'm writing about the privilege of setting boundaries, making time to mourn, and the freedom to embrace our grief. Humanity deserves equal access to loss accommodation. Even as I wrote this, my heart was heavy with the understanding that not everyone can safely implement and enforce emotional boundaries let alone physical ones. The privilege of crying is not something we talk about often, but then again, neither is grief. Have you ever just scheduled a time to cry? How about taking a day off work simply because your loss is overtaking your focus? Maybe you're a CEO traveling 35 hours a week, but you haven't figured out how to feel comfortable sobbing through your fears on an airplane. Maybe you're a single parent and it's easier to ignore your grief because the kids need your attention and a crying dad is not the dad you want to offer them. The privilege of grieving is also stigmatized. We are reminded almost daily to just get over it. We are not less important, but we do have an internal propensity to place our emotional selves in a hierarchy of need. It's easy to say that a crying baby has more immediate needs than a grieving caregiver. While we can value putting the well-being of others first, We cannot do so at the sake of deepening our own wounds. Others do not deserve to grieve more than we do, and comparing our losses to those who have lost more steals our self-awareness. We too are hurting. We too deserve to heal. When others minimize our pain for their own benefits through platitudes, we push back. 
discomfort is frequently seen as unacceptable, and because we are not used to holding ourselves as important, we may submit to the cultural norm of grieving quickly and appearing fine. But just because these are natural reactions in our culture does not mean we must continue to honor them. Disenfranchised, ambiguous grief is everywhere. Ambiguous losses such as a friendship that fell apart or an opportunity that we missed are incredibly painful. And the longer we allow these losses to be minimized and dismissed, the longer we will naturally struggle to process death and loss in all its forms. Because loss is loss. But to validate the emotional pain of another means doing the same for ourselves. If we choose to embrace loss in our story, then we are starting the process of doing the same for others. If we are in a position to offer grace to someone in their grief, then we as humans must do so for them and ourselves. Are we the grieving CEO with single parents in our employ? Then as we gain our own awareness, we must see the value in making space and bereavement pay a core value of our company. Are we the grieving parent? Then as we take a few minutes each day to check in with our heart, mind, body, and spirit self, our children will learn the value of honoring themselves by watching us, no matter how they feel. In faith traditions, there is great emphasis on embracing our weaknesses. In a culture that glorifies the strongest man or the boss woman or the overly mature child prodigy, we must work to reclaim the value of a tender heart. Having access to our emotional intuitive side is not a weakness. Recognizing our shortcomings and inability to work 75 hours a week is wisdom. And I'm preaching to myself right now. We gain our strength through rest by releasing our white knuckle grips on life. And as we practice this release, we are living open-handed. This validates the revelations in loss that we cannot control this life or what happens to us, but we control our responses, our reactions, and our beliefs. This is true strength. This is learning to bend and not break. Becoming flexible in our grasp on the physical life brings restoration to the innermost recesses of our spirit. We become internally indomitable where healing continues for a lifetime. Learning to cry is another skill often left underdeveloped. The tender heart within us was created with purpose. Tears are the body's method of clearing away what needs to be released. While our body releases tears to keep our eyes healthy and as a reflex response to irritants like wind, emotional tears contain higher levels of stress hormones when they leave the body. They literally purge our bodies of toxins. Endorphins are released when we engage our emotions and cry, decreasing physical pain and allowing an expression of the soul when we cannot find the words to speak. Even if we have permission to cry, finding the capacity to do so is complicated. Understanding your quote, window of tolerance, as we've talked about previously, is one way to observe your own mental space and determine if you need some room to breathe. The National Institute for the Clinical Application of Behavioral Medicine deals with clients experiencing trauma to help them cope with stressors and triggers. With each grief experience or trauma, our window of tolerance can narrow. Becoming aware of the stressors allows us to know and recognize when we have greater capacity to process our tears. Essentially, when we are under duress, we can move into a place of hypoarousal or hyperarousal. Recognizing these states allows us to observe ourselves with the gift of non-judgmental curiosity, which is a primary goal of the restorative grief method. 
Hypoarousal is a state where we feel zoned out and disconnected from ourselves. A frozen numbness takes over our mental space and our capacity to process. Essentially, we shut down. And hyperarousal is that anxious, angry, reactive fight or flight response. Each of these is an innate self-protective response. They're not good or bad. They are morally neutral. Emotions are just information. And like the rest of our emotions, these states of being inform us of what we're encountering and provide a path to restoration as we carefully explore our stories with patience and compassion. It is a great privilege to have the time to engage any of these concepts. While we may not have been raised to appreciate or value the emotional space in life, it is never too late to lean into vulnerability on behalf of our healing. However, it is a matter of access. The concept of vulnerability is becoming more and more prominent in our daily language, but not all people have an opportunity to learn how vulnerability can benefit the almost constant states that we experience around hyper and hypoarousal. Grievers deserve to know their vulnerability will be championed and honored, but this only occurs when we champion and honor ourselves first. No matter your place in life, you are worthy of healing. We may not all have experienced equal access to these resources in our past, but as we choose to lean into vulnerable conversations, despite all the discomfort, we invite others to do the same. We can create access for future generations by engaging our grief now. Whether our vulnerability is as visible as crying on an airplane or as intimate as confessing your sorrows to a friend, we are building atmospheres of grace where imperfections, tears, and growth are celebrated. We are creating literacy about grief and loss. We are creating a world where all are invited and welcome to heal. Thank you for listening to episode 10 of Restorative Grief. When I first wanted to touch on privilege in relationship to grief, I froze. Privilege is a topic where I have a lot to learn as a straight, white American woman of faith. And grief, being the great equalizer that it is, feels like a sacred space to explore the idea of what it means to bear witness to one another's grief and to use whatever privileges or access I have to expand those same points of access to others. My heart grows weary of platitudes and the BS of the bootstrap theory. If we truly reflect on our own lives and losses, I believe we will see places where we've all clung to bootstrapping as a reality. When the truth is, anyone who says they've lifted themselves alone is trying to sell you something. I feel woefully inadequate quoting the majestic Maya Angelou, but let me try anyway. She said, as soon as healing takes place, go out and heal someone else. I have accessed privileges in this life that led me to a place of healing. And it is my great honor to bring others into that space and share that privilege with them. May the very places of pain in your life overflow with healing into the lives of those around you. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. Thank you.